Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to a very, very long-awaited episode of Just Shayin. And I'm excited to just kind of see what comes out of me because it's been a second. So thanks for tuning in. Hey guys, I'm Shay, a three-wing two on the Enneagram that finds her home in Atlanta, Georgia. The goal of this podcast is to create an ongoing conversation about the tensions of following Jesus in today's culture. Join me and many others as we have conversations that challenge and inspire us to follow Jesus in our day and age. This is Just Shayin'. I have somewhat of an interesting topic that I have been digging into, would probably be the best word for it. I have been digging into repentance. Now, don't don't turn me off yet. I know that this word may hit you in some kind of way, and so I'm just going to ask you to take that thought captive real quick, toss it to the side, you know, lock it up in the cage, and then listen again. Um, I know that at one point in your life, this word was probably prevalent. I don't know how prevalent it is currently in church culture, sadly. Um, I have been in the deeps, if you will, and this is an ongoing journey, so I'm not even going to pretend that I have this all together. Uh, I'm obviously growing deeply in this. So, I think probably a couple years ago, at least, I did a podcast on sin, uh, and, you know, everybody had their feels. But you know what? By the grace of God, it led them all to the altar for a come-to-Jesus moment, uh, including myself. Um, So hopefully this um, chat, if you will, as I chuckle, um, will point us to Jesus, because that is the point. Um, The point is that we look to Him so that we become like him. And I remember recently the Lord spoke to me. This is probably the beginning of the year. He said, Shay, if you'll look at me rightly, you'll see yourself rightly. Which, it sounds like so endearing. But truthfully, it was very exposing. Because when I see him rightly, I see how much I actually don't bring to the table. And I think in a culture of worth and self-worth, and I don't want to say that I'm anti that as a whole, so please hear me out for a millisecond. Um, I think there's a beautiful, beautiful aspect of knowing our worth as children of God. Um, The beautiful thing that I think a lot of people forget to share about that is I am not worthy in and of myself. I am worthy because He is worthy. And when I see him rightly, I'll see myself rightly because I'm looking through the lens of my father instead of looking through the lens of my own self-effort and my own um, what I bring to the table, my own giftings, my own um, thought processes, my own filters, uh, which if we're being honest, so let's just be honest for a second, at least I'll be honest because I'm technically the only one sitting at this table. Our filters have a tendency to be muddled. That's not a self-revelation. That's just facts. Our filters are based off our surroundings. Our filters are based off our Instagram scrolling and what we are constantly being like seen, like what we're constantly hearing, what we're constantly believing. 
and so if we are more quick to believe what the world says, or um, I even go to say the church to a degree says, um, we probably need to really actually look at Jesus again and look at him rightly. Um, I know that sounds super basic. I'm not trying to be vanilla. I just think that this is something that we're always going to have to go, God, if there is anything in me that's not seeing you properly, that's not seeing you rightly, will you please allow me to see you rightly? And that that way it would cause an exposure of my own heart so that I could see everything else correctly. If my view of him is rightly, then... The goal is that, in essence, my view of others will become right also. The view of myself will become right. And it's not from a kingdom of self that I'm trying to see me, but rather the kingdom of God. And that becomes the thermostat versus my Instagram page or, you know, what everybody is wearing to church or I don't know, fill in the blank. There's a thousand things that could go there, and I'm sure you have your own. Um With that said, (laughs) wow, that was a tangent already. Um, I found myself, when I look at him rightly, I think in my mind many, many moons ago, when I would say, oh, I'm looking at Jesus. I'm going to the depths of who he is and how he looks and what his love looks like. And there would be these like, you know, seasons, if you will, of, oh, I'm looking at him, how beautiful, how radiant. Maybe those aren't words that you would use. Um, You know, how unconditional, how emotionally stable is Jesus, like you're worthy. And in essence, I'm like looking at him, looking at him. And then I look at me and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not necessarily reflecting the thing that I'm seeing the way that I desire to. And so obviously this has been a long walk. It will continue to be a journey. Um, But it's thrown me into really seeking after um, what is that exchange of me seeing him and then things getting exposed in me that aren't right even if they're not blatant evil or even blatant sin, it's just things that need to be sanctified. Um, what is that process? Which is basically just led me to the simple word repentance, <laughs> which sounds so elementary. Um, but I think we actually need to talk about it again because I think what what we tend to do is think that when we got saved... We repented, right? We gave our life over, gave our rights over. And so now there's this thing, whether you want to call it hyper grace or whatever you want to title it, um, but there's this thing where we often are so focused on resurrection that we forget the cross. We forget the wounded lamb because we're so just incomplete awe of him coming out of the tomb. And I'm I'm just as equally grateful of him as of his resurrection as I am his cross. But I'm realizing the thing that actually transforms me 
to look like him that actually gave me access to look like him is the cross. It's the cross. And I don't know about you, but I don't know the last time I heard a message on sin or repentance or, you know, um, even honestly, just transformation. And that sounds really horrible. Um, I've heard so many messages on identity. I've heard so many, and those things are so good and they are so needed. And I'm continually wanting to establish the fact that I'm loved, the fact that I'm seen, that I'm known, that I'm his daughter. But I want to hit repentance because I'm reading a book, uh, and this is probably like one of many books, but it's called Repentance, The Joy-Filled Life. And I was even just the title alone, I was thinking, man, people would hate that title. Like, I think our spirits would know that that reigns true but I think it doesn't sit well within us. And basically the idea is repentance allows for you to become full of joy because you realize that you cannot do this on your own. And I think sometimes, mm, I think majority of the time, help me God when I say this, I think that we are not aware that we actually can't do this without Him. Ugh. That is painful. It's brutal. Why is it brutal? Because we live in a world that's constantly telling us that we're the center of our world. We live in a culture that is constantly telling us to do it and to to be big, to, um, you know, to measure up. And the truth is, you don't. I don't. We don't without him. And it's, I know that we know that in our head if you've followed him for 24 hours, right? Like if you really were given the true picture of the gospel, you know this in your head. But I think what happens is we go through seasons of desperation, which I don't think they're supposed to be seasonal, but we'll just say it that way. Where you're desperate, you show up to a new city and you're like, oh my God, I need friends. I need a job. I'm desperate. God, can you move on my behalf? I don't have enough money to get this apartment in the city. I don't have this. I don't have that. And you're just leaning on him like, Jesus, I'm desperate. Right. And then, you know, you get, you get your apartment, you get your, you know, you start going to coffees with people you're meeting from work or church. And, you know, you kind of just become a little bit like, oh, okay, comfortable. And you realize there's this lie that comes in and says, I did this. I did this. I, there, and it's in all of us. And that's the point. My point of saying this is that it's in all of us. It's in all of us somewhere way back in the head, way back in our head, <laughs> that we did it, that we contributed something, that we brought something to the table, right? And now we have something to show for it because we live in a culture that's saying like, well, what did you do? And we ask people, what do you do? Um, and I'm not anti that. I'm just saying it's kind of the way that we think. Um, and I, I've just been in the deeps of repentance. And the reason I bring all that up is because repentance is a reminder that you can't do it in and of your own strength. And somebody may be on here going, why is that full of joy? Like that sucks. 
to me, it causes joy in my heart to realize that there's no pressure on me, that he really did make a way. And all I have to do is repent. And it's like, it's like the easiest access point to be close to him, but we're not living it. It's not become a daily practice in our lives. And it's hard, right? Because it's like, well, yeah, I repented to the Lord. And it's like, well, that's great. You definitely need to repent to the Lord. There's all the, also the other side of that coin of having people that you are living in the light with that, you know, it's not just you and God. And I know somebody's going to be mad at me for saying that, um, like literally. Um, I don't mean that in a mean way. Um, but there is something about confessing it, um, you know, one to another that is biblical and that is beautiful. And there's times where it may not be fully necessary. Like I don't need to go, you know, tell everybody and their mama that I was repenting today. But there's this aspect of those that are close, those that you really find to be that are your community that you repent to and you share with them, like you share with them what God is doing in you, what he is exposing in you in order to cover you because it's going to beget freedom in the whole camp. So if I'm going through repentance and honestly, like your girl could repent every day. I'm just going to be very, very honest. Um, But it's interesting, right? Because If I'm living in the light with my community, my roommates, um, people that God's given to me to to live in the light with, I start to go, wait, he's he's also dealing with this person. He's also like, you know, being really close to this person. And we start to essentially experience what we would call a personal revival, which I think is really humorous because I'm like, this is what we're supposed to be living in daily. Like this is the way of the cross. The cross is also the way of repentance. And so I'm just interested because it's like, I'm really looking at the body as a whole. Granted, you know, I only see a percentage of her. I only run with the percentage of her, but I'm interested because I'm just like, I see, it just feels like we're more apathetic and indifferent towards our sin. Uh, when, you know, I'm running into a lot of people that don't feel very disturbed by their sin, um, which is very sad, quite frankly. Um, and I, I don't laugh or shame those people. I'm on this side because I know that there's been seasons, um, you know, years and years and years ago where I would have felt the same. I'm not grieving, grieving some, is that the word? over sin. Um, current day, in the last couple years, I definitely, um, I definitely, definitely cannot even get away from being heartbroken over my sin. Whether it's seemingly small sin or not seemingly small, it is sin. And what sin does is it starts to separate me from the Father. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. So um, it's like oh, it's so much. Um, but I, I think we have lots of worldly sorrow. 
um, you know, the, the sorrow that just is almost comes natural. Like, um, I'm trying to give an example, but it's basically like, I know I shouldn't have done that. So I'm sorry. It's a worldly sorrow. Whereas godly sorrow, it makes me think of David. When after David messed up with Bathsheba, I mean, well, I don't know the last time anybody did this, even including myself. For seven days he cried out, Have mercy on me, God. Have mercy on me, Lord. For seven days. Seven days. Seven days. Yo, 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 yo. That's godly sorrow. The, the idea of don't let your hand leave me. I repent. I, I, I come into right alignment with your lordship. I, I repent. I get rid of and I turn away completely. Not just a, oh, I'm casually sorry because I made a bad decision and I know I shouldn't do that. No, it is a, it is a ripping of something saying, I don't want this. And I'm, I'm like godly sorrowful because there's an understanding that it's not just what I did. It's the fact that now there's a distance between me and God. And God didn't put that distance there. I did. And so we have this like, I don't know. I, I, I've been trying to put my fingers on it because there's, again, and I'm speaking even in my own help me God, um, I've been, you know, diving into even my own journey of the seasons where it was like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. So sorry, God, versus that I know this is not okay. I will not stand for this in my soul. And you almost just stake the ground of your heart and say, never again, never again. I'm, I'm full of godly sorrow. And I turn and I repent and I repent from my wicked ways and my wicked thoughts and I let them go. I take them captive. I bring in the light of God because I am a child of light. I'm no longer a child of darkness. I'm no longer an alienated child. I am now one with him. I am becoming like him and I refuse to look like anything less than him. And there's a difference. There's a difference in heart posture in that. And Jesus calls us frequently, repent, repent, repent. And I'm just sitting here going like, I mean, I'm not trying to become the, you know, turn or burn queen out here, like genuinely not trying to do that. But I think for the sake of not wanting to be a turn or burn or be the one that's constantly talking about repentance, we've ran the other way and said, oh, you just need to do that between you and God. And really, they're not really seeing change. They're not really seeing transformation because, yes, you do need to repent with God thousand percent. You also need to bring yourself to the light of the godly community and say, hey, this is what's going on. And I'm not saying this has to be your whole community. It can be one other person. Bless God, if Jesus had 12 disciples and he didn't have thousands, you know, and even then he had the three, surely we have one to three people in our lives that, hey, 
I'm struggling with this. I, I'm repenting of this. I'm repentant, and I want to turn away from this. Will you lay hands on me? Will you pray for me? Will you uh, allow me to, to, to bring my messy self to you and that you could be a safe covering, that you could be someone safe for me that's not going to sit here and enable me. It's not going to sit here and tell me, oh, I don't think this or I think this. I don't care what you think. I need to know what the Bible says. I need to know what Jesus is thinking and, and getting around those people so that healing can come forth. I'm just, I've been so, so enamored with how many times Jesus says repent. And it's not always to a sinner. It's not always to, you know, the prostitute or the leper. He says repent so many times to the Pharisees. He says repent to the disciples. And I don't know why culturally we just think, oh, repentance is just like, you know, it's either for the sinner and they need to repent, but I've already been saved, so I don't need to repent, which is so backwards because the more I look at him, the more I'm going, good Lord, I need to repent and get my heart straight. Good Lord, I don't look like him and I need to repent and say, God, help me look like you. I'm not loving like you. And there's something about this that is, it makes you feel vulnerable and it makes you feel like, dang, I don't measure up. But the other side of that coin is he's made a way that he sees you as the righteousness of Christ Jesus. He already sees you that way. So your repentance is saying, I'm not seeing me that way. I am settling for crumbs when you've given me a whole table to feast from. And I need to repent. I need to give these crumbs, drop these crumbs and run to that table that you've asked me to sit at. And I need to dine with you. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And so I just uh, like culturally it's like been such a thing because I am going man like we have this you know in 2020 it was cancel culture which I'm sure is still a thing I'm not even trying to be in all of that mix I'm really not Uh, but I kept like in the middle of cancel culture I'm thinking we don't need cancel culture what we need is a culture of confession where brothers and sisters together can come and bring their confession and, and that we would become the arms of Jesus. And so instead of canceling you because you made a mistake or you said something wrong, there's a culture of confession that says, hey, there's a culture of repentance. There's a culture of I need to confess my sin. I need to confess that I've been operating out of the flesh. I need to confess that I've been watching porn. I need to confess that I've been embezzling money. I don't know. I'm like literally coming up with these off the top of my head. I need to confess the smallest sin. Um, I need to confess that I lied today or I was jealous of somebody's moment that they got when the truth is I really wanted to be the one that was seen and they were seen. And instead of shaming people like shame on you for doing that, we can say, hey, let's confess that. And let's ask him to do a deep, deep work in our hearts and in your heart so that he could do what only he can do, which is kind of a segue into repentance is a reminder that we can't do it on our own, that you can't change you. Let me say that again. You cannot change you. 
You can't change you. If you think that you're changing yourself by self-discovery or personality tests or whatever, you're only changing the outside of the cup because you don't even know how to change you. And so I think it reminds me of when Jesus looked at the Pharisees and said, woe to you, blind guides, woe to you, that your, your outside of the cup is clean, but your inside is still very dirty. Repent. Again, there it is. Repent. And it's almost like we have to walk in our own humility. Repentance is an opportunity for humility. And in Philippians 2, this is not a recommendation for followers of Christ. Like, I recommend that you walk in humility. No, it's a command. It is. It says you must walk in the same attitude as Christ. And Christ left all his divine privileges and he made himself equal with man so that he could go to a cross. He walked in humility for you. The least thing that you could do is walk in humility for him. The least thing you could do is pray. The least thing you could do is read your Bible. It's the least thing that you could do. But so often it's the hardest thing to do. That was my own tangent, but I'm just going to throw it out there. So repentance is this beautiful way, has this beautiful way of telling us that we are not dependent in among ourselves. We're actually dependent on the Father to change us, to transform us. It is His kindness that leads us to repentance. And I think so many times we're praying for unbelievers. We're like, let your kindness, you know, bring them to repentance. When the truth is, is we need to be praying that for ourselves. God, allow your kindness to lead me to repentance. Show me, show me where I don't look like you. Show me, show me so that I can repent, turn away from and look like you and be transformed by you. And it takes him, it takes his kindness. It takes his blowing on, on, on hard parts of our hearts and showing us the hardness of our own hearts that would draw us to repentance. So I think that I think there's multiple things that happen in this is we we go along our lives following him and the 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 more you follow it's almost like the, in the very beginning it was like, you know, I stopped smoking and I stopped doing drugs, I stopped sleeping around. It was these big sins that that left. And now it's like you're years and years and years into following him. And it's like the small, they, they seem smaller. Like, hey, I don't want you to, to do this small thing. This, this, is, this is not okay. This little leaven will, will ruin the whole loaf. But it doesn't feel as big. So it's kind of like, oh, you know, like, eh. But it's like, no, he doesn't measure. That's the thing. He doesn't measure what you what your sin look like in the very beginning versus what what it what oh well you know this little white lie when do like when no like there's no such thing as a white lie like lying is sin you are lying to people you are you are using your words to create something that is not real there's no difference there's no difference it's only it's there's no measurement for that. And I know, yeah, consequences are different. Yeah, you're right. They are. 
but also with a heart that is wanting him and a heart that's so desiring him, it doesn't matter. I don't want to be having white lies. I don't want to um, watch shows I shouldn't watch. I I don't want to, um, I don't know, treat my neighbors illy. I don't want to drive by the homeless person and not see them when God has told me to, to look at them and to see them as people and, and follow the nudges of helping them. Like, we measure, but the truth is He is just after our hearts. And, and He is calling us continually to repent. And I'm kind of trying to... I'm trying to almost take back our thought processes with the word repentance. Because if we're not repenting frequently, I would even go to say, then I would say our hearts are getting hard. In order to keep a soft heart towards Him, first and foremost, and people, then we need to be living a life of repentance. Because when we're not, it is allowing hardness to come over our heart, and it's bringing... It's making us grow in a way that we don't want to grow because when our heart hearts become hard, we're not going to be quick to repent. We're going to be like, oh, well, you know, it doesn't actually bother me. Oh, you know, it's not actually my conviction anymore. And then we look up one day and we go, I feel so far from God. God, you're not speaking to me. God, you know, you didn't tell me what I should do in this situation. And we get mad at God. Oh, my Lord, we get mad at him. We get offended by him. We, yeah, like we get so mad. And and it's because I think by nature we're self-confident and we have a tendency to blame others or even accuse God. Um, We even have this ability, it's not a good ability, to accuse God and to, to make it that he's the one not doing it when the truth is, is our hearts have just gotten hardened. And so I just wanted to take some time to kind of just share about the word repentance. It's so much deeper than this. It's so, so, so much deeper than this. Um, but I want you to, to, to ponder on these thoughts because it would be good for us as the body of Christ to, to remember repentance. That This is the reason that he went to that cross so that he can make a way for relationship with God. And the truth is that way looks like repentance over and over and over and over again. Over and over and over and over again. And it's not that we become so focused on repentance as like, repent, rah, like turn or burn. No, it becomes, no, this is where my joy is. My joy is in the fact that I can't do this in myself. You have to do this, God. And I look at you and I choose to look at you and apply what you've done in that cross into my life. So will you come and will you do, will you do what only you can do in my heart? Will you soften my heart? Will you transform me? Will you show me the areas that need to look like you? And finding people around you that are safe and saying, hey, I really, whether you want to call it an accountability partner or whatever, I think those are good and they are necessary. Um, We shouldn't run from those. Our relationships with God should not be isolated outside, like just with him. He is also about people. He's also about community. And so I think, you know, to make it just him without his people 
is really, really a fine line there. Not that it can't be that for a second, but the ultimate goal is that you're doing life with people and you're chasing after him as a group. And so, Lord, I just thank you for this time. I pray, God, you use every word to provoke us to the fact that we really need you. And the way of getting to you is repentance. The way of coming to you is with humility. And that this isn't a cuss word in church. Repentance is beautiful. It's a beautiful, beautiful word, and it gives us an access point to you, and it causes us to live in humility, which you commanded. And so I just thank you for these times. I thank you for this conversation. I pray that you would have your way with it, Jesus. Jesus.